Hello, everybody. This is Two Guys Five Movies. We're joining your co-host Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelican. And tonight is episode sixty-four. The episode title was Take Two, and it's a new concept that we've come up with where we are going to reevaluate the Oscars, and we're going to start with the years nineteen seventy-five to nineteen seventy-nine, and we're going to look at the Best Picture category. So, Frank, we've been talking about this for probably close to the beginning of the podcast. I would think at yeah. some point, like we like floated this idea like privately about doing this and now we get all this like kind of like little bit of attention and all these like new listeners and downloads and we go and do something we have no idea what we're doing right now right we'll see how it goes <laughs> right i have no idea how this is going to like play out eh, it'll be fine we've like barely even talked about it that much look it can't be worse than the um drinking game for what was that the big sleep or whatever so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that yeah. was um that was a mess that was a right that was so a disaster. This, this is so has some structure right yeah much funnier concept than execution just because it was a lot of drinking it was really funny in like real life but right right I don't it, well no it, it wasn't like you you were miserable afterwards oh yeah like we finished that drinking game episode and like we were outside and you're like this is the worst it's like i'm not even drunk i'm already sobered up and i'm not even like but i feel the effects of it so i get all the bad effects and none of the positive right yeah it's not good to drink that quickly like that much no that was that was tough yeah anyway yeah. okay so how'd you feel about the oscars this year like overall i'm really i'm not a fan of the 10 movie nomination thing for mm -hmm. best picture like i feel like it's too muddled yeah. and it's just kind of yeah, i realize we haven't even talked about this all fair really that much like about the winners um i was fine with most of the nominees i mean i saw i guess about half yeah of the movies um i really enjoyed parasite i don't know if i think the parasite is a better movie than say once upon a time in hollywood which mm -hmm. to me should have been best picture but i'm not like angry the parasite yeah. one or anything like i thought Parasite's it was a, good a, movie. a fine choice yeah um i also don't get the hate that it's a foreign film so like why let a foreign film win best picture because there's a lot of that backlash that's an opinion yeah really? trump just said it the other night about um well no because it's been echoed like on the internet i guess like, that's an opinion <laughs> just saying there's a really funny video of a guy like freaking out about some guy that's really famous for like i don't know he reviews comics or i don't know who he is uh -huh. um but like freaking out over the fact that parasite won best picture and subtitles and what like it's from south korea like why couldn't an american movie i don't know it's just it's it's a ridiculous opinion like I think it's fine when foreign I films. Can get, I I can get a little bit of like the anti-intellectual stuff, like to a point. Like I understand some of, it, but some of that that's just fucking idiotic. Well, the only I mean, Parasite has a lot of like really. It, it's a very subtle movie with its ideas because it doesn't like yeah, absolutely hit yeah. you over the head. Like like Crash is very like obvious with this is its message, right. whereas Parasite's more subtle. Like, oh, absolutely, weaving yeah. the message into the actual story. Not, I mean, I think it's an enjoyable movie. I don't think no, it's, it's like overly intellectual. And no, really, no, no, I, I just mean like the idea that a foreign, like right. subtitles and you right, because like, you got to read, because you got to read, right? right. No, that's it's, what I meant by that. It's like, a bad that's, opinion. It is. It's a real bad opinion. No, you know, like I, it was fine. I, I thought yeah. that movies that deserve to win awards won awards. Yeah. Um, I wish I would have seen Jojo Rabbit. Um, a couple other movies like 1917. I would like to see. Mm -hmm. Um. But, you know, fine. Yeah, we were supposed to see that in the theater. I can't remember what happened there. It was just the holidays. Yeah, I guess. We so. were busy. Right. 
Um, I don't know. Like I've, I, there's definitely been years. I felt like it was a better field than it usually is. And it wasn't any like garbage, like the hurt locker or crash or something that nobody really, in the King's speech, like things that nobody cares about and have no lasting. It's like your three goes to like every single time is always like, you think of like, like things you hate about the Oscars and it's always the hurt locker and King's speech. Yeah. Cause they're just, I mean, they're, they're fine movies. I've seen both those movies. They're fine. But Something that has Queen in the title, yeah, or King. Like there's either no of those. lasting impact from those movies on cinema. Like they've done nothing to add to film. They've done nothing to like. They're just pablum, basically. Like it's yeah. just an, it's easy to say like, oh, well, it's it's a good movie, so best picture. Yeah, you cast a dame or a sir in the title we, role and like you're good to go we've actually been talking about this category for probably well over a decade and not in terms of a podcast but just like oh right yeah like doing it sure because there's been so many years where the oscars just get it wrong yeah yeah yeah. and like i when i was going through this list like when we had the idea and like i started like writing down um all the ones that like i would pick i would see things and be like why like i'm like this movie's got no relevance like right. 30 years later sure. 40 years later so yeah that would be that would be actually interesting if like somebody is a little bit more of a historian if like to know like why some of these things got nominated during the time period honestly sometimes I think it's just popularity yeah it could be but yeah we, we, we yeah we've been talking about this to some degree like all this stuff forever like since we probably probably since we right met, you know i mean um but uh yeah so i guess what we're going to do is i'll go through for each year i'll read through what was actually nominated and what won we'll talk about those movies then you can go ahead and go through your list of what you would have nominated from that year and your winner um and then if there's a few other movies that you wanted to talk about along the way that you think were kind of right worthy um like honorary mentions we can talk about those yeah i think it'll go pretty smooth i'm looking forward to doing it okay so like i said the concept here is we're going to um uh kind of just like reevaluate and like uh re redo the oscars from 1975 to 1979 we're just looking at the best picture category if anybody's actually interested in this or um we'll, we'll maybe we'll do the thought exercise with um other categories at some point uh before we get started i do just want to quickly mention that um uh because i always forget to like self-promote always but uh, uh you can follow us on facebook you can follow us on instagram if you follow us on instagram you get to see frank's um art coaster art um that he that he does at the bar when we go out on saturday nights um and thank you for everybody that's like started following us and like the different uh comments that i've gotten from people like you know on instagram and stuff like that it's it's really appreciated and uh so, what else is there? The Quick Cage is a new concept that we started recently, too. And uh, that's where Frank watches uh, a bunch of Nicolas Cage movies. He's, what, are you, what are you up to now, Frank? You think, like, uh, maybe 20, uh, 15 movies that you've watched so far for it? Well, yeah. So, movies that I've watched, like, for the list. Yeah, like, right. 16, I think, today, because right. I watched okay. Bringing Out the Dead. So, we're, um, episode four will be coming out uh, in a couple of days of that, and Frank will be covering the Weatherman um, from two thousand and five, and he'll he, what he does is summarize reviews. Um, he does uh, Nick Cage impersonations like Poorly. as he's reviewing them. So <clears throat> that new series is out. You can um, get it on the same stream that you get this uh, 
uh, these episodes here. And um, in the month of March, I just want to quickly go through, we have three new top five episodes that will be coming out along with those quick cage episodes that will be coming out weekly. And for the m- month of March, we have lined up top five buddy cop movies, top five dystopian movies, and then the top five movie foreign movies of 1995. So it's probably one of our more eclectic months and types of movies. Yeah, it's it'll be a good month. So um, please keep checking us out. Um, as always, if uh, you can share links, uh, like you know links, those kind of things. Um, you know, uh, leave reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts. All that stuff really helps us out a lot, um, and we appreciate everybody that's done that for us so far. All right, you ready to get started, Frank? Yep, let's okay. do it. So, <clears throat> you see how much self promoting like actually like makes me nervous um, <laughs> as you listen to me do it. He's all sweaty. Yeah, right. <clears throat> My throat's swelling up right now. <laughs> okay, so 1975 Oscars. Uh, the actual nominees for that year. Included Chinatown, The Conversation, The Godfather Part 2, Lenny, and The Towering Inferno. The winner that year was The Godfather Part 2. So, what do you think of that list overall, Frank? Uh, it's about halfway right, Okay, I think. Um, I don't really understand. I think maybe Lenny's on there just because of Hoffman and was still like a pretty, pretty prominent and respected actor because, you know, the graduate and whatever. Um, Towering Inferno was really weird to me, and the only thing I can think is because it made so much money. Yeah. Like, that would have been, like, a $500 million movie today, basically. Right. Um, yeah, Hoffman's, uh, is, uh, during this time period, is, like, he gets nominated for everything, it yeah. seems. Like, he's, a he's definitely a, um, a darling of the, of the Academy. Well, sure, I mean, period. well, like, him, him, Hackman, Pacino, yeah. De Niro, all. Maybe Nicholson is like the five like power actors of yeah. the 70s. Right. That like when they were in anything, those movies were. It's funny because nobody talks to him, so I've never known how to actually pronounce his name. Is it John Cazal or Cazal? Like, do you know how to pronounce his name? The guy from Fredo from The Godfather. I think it's Cazal. Cazal. I think so. He's in Dog Day Afternoon. He's in the conversation. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, but he gets nominated all the time too during this time period. It's, it's a shame. Like, Cazal? Castle, Castle? Yeah. I don't know. He gets um he gets nominated a lot during yeah. this time period too. It's a shame that he died that he died so young because he was uh he's really good. He's really good actor, really good character actor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Th- so those two I don't understand, but the other three, like I agree, um, rank within the top movies of that year. Right. Um, conversation. I think so. In my list conversation is edged out a little bit, um, just because I think there's four, five other better movies than it that year but still a really good movie yeah yeah the conversation uh we talked about if anybody's interested uh, back way back on episode four uh it was the top five palm door winners uh episode god I, I remember that like it was yesterday like right like talking about the conversation like that's good that's a, that was actually one of our best earlier episodes i think yeah it was a decent episode yeah um and that's also on Prime right now, um, the conversation. So you can go back to that if you wanted to hear us talk about the conversation at all. And then the movies, so the movies you think they got right were The Godfather and Chinatown then? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those movies. And again, like, I understand the nomination of the conversation. Like, that's like splitting hairs almost Yeah. for yeah. me. Um, I just, like, Lenny's a fine movie. I haven't seen Lenny in probably 20 years, but fine, you know? And The Towering yeah. Inferno is like a fun movie, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, it's enjoyable, right. but it's not... 
a best picture nominee like definitely not better than like a bunch of other stuff that year yeah no, i wouldn't I even put it in like shit like maybe even like the top like 15 of that year there's a lot of other better stuff yeah i can see that uh chinatown you can go back that's episode three the best five period pieces in the 1970s uh where that's another that's another episode it has a lot of good movies on it but yeah. um but yeah we talked about chinatown there uh, it's on stars right now if anybody has stars and wanted to watch it and then we've never talked about the godfather and any of the godfather movies on this podcast yeah i mean unless we ever do mob movies and then i would just lump one and two even though they're pretty different movies they're pretty different movies um like I think The Godfather Two is a great movie. I really enjoy yeah. it, but yeah. I don't think it's the best movie. I of think, that year. but you and I feel similarly though. That you're, we're I just wore out on Italian like mob stuff. Like even though I know they're good movies, like I never want to. I, I I don't want to watch those movies again. Yeah, I've. I mean, I'm I'm not as like I don't know like burnt out on the topic as you are, mm. but there's got to be something about them like these ones that are classics of the genre mm-hmm. are fine for me yeah because i can go back yeah. and there's a nostalgia to them but i don't want to see them anymore right yeah like to me maybe the last one that actually mattered was like donnie brasco maybe mm-hmm. the last one that i really cared about yeah and i don't know that and that's I've, still like a middling movie like it has good it's, performances it's a fine movie. And, right yeah um, I don't know that I particularly cared about the genre since then. I mean, there's been some really bad ones, too. Like, the um, John Travolta Gotti movie <laughs> is really, really awful. <laughs> right. um, I thought The Irishman was a fine movie, but I didn't particularly care about any of it, and it just was overlong to me. Yeah. I keep telling myself, like, even though I've said multiple times on here that I'm never watching that movie, like, I texted you, and I was like, I think i got to watch this movie. And I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, think I don't know. I still haven't brought... I build up the courage to actually hit play yet i think it's important to watch anything scorsese does because he's such a sure important director but at the same time it's like you know get a new gig right yeah kind of i don't know okay so what are your nominees what, what, what would you have if you, going back in hindsight now at 1975 oscars what would you be so on? my five would have been um ali fear eats the soul by uh um, fassbender mm-hmm. um chinatown polanski mm-hmm. uh the godfather part two by coppola um texas chainsaw massacre um with toby hooper and a woman under the influence by john cassavetes um and my winner would have been chinatown for that year yeah um i mean i think chinatown's maybe one of like like one of the 10 best movies ever honestly like from performance to direction to set design and dialogue script like all of it's just like it's it's almost a perfect movie so and with my leanings like you know like it pretty much it's like right there neck and neck but it probably comes right after third man for me and it probably is like second on my list of all time and i think it edges out something like godfather because godfather part two because that's more of an ensemble piece yeah as opposed to where chinatown is even though it's got like a lot of really strong performances it's very much a movie just about like you know um jake get getty's trying to solve a murder yeah and then, like, untangle, like, this huge, like, web of yeah. nonsense. So let's talk uh, first, then, uh, about some of these uh, maybe lesser-known titles uh, that you have, that you would nominate. So Ali, Fear Eats the Soul. Um, you want to talk a little bit about that movie? Yeah, it's probably my favorite Fassbender movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about an um, immigrant uh, entering into a relationship with an older German woman in, um, I guess, like, 1970s Berlin, I think, is where it takes mm-hmm. place. 
um really like poignant and heartfelt movie it's got i don't know it's 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 very very moving um fastbender is really good at making these small like character driven movies um and you've you know you watched um the marriage of maria braun so you've seen right uh, fastbender movie and like yeah. i just he captures humanity so well is shigula in this do you know the the girl that was in uh no no i don't think so yeah she's the i don't remember the actress's name the lady in it is like an older yeah i forgot to write it down here older actress yeah okay um because that's the whole point is that she's kind of like it's been a really long time since i've seen ali but um she's a divorcee i think maybe or maybe a widow and he's like a younger like handsome man but also kind of an outcast because he's an immigrant um i i think from like turkey or something I, i can't remember um just a beautiful movie like really poignant really well written um sad and funny and you know it kind of just sort of like fills you up and i don't know it's 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 a wonderful film i think it's on the criterion channel actually oh okay i'm pretty sure um a lot of fastbender stuff is yeah um and then lesser known um woman under the influence is my favorite cassavetes movie um it's uh, amazing performance be- with um, uh, Gina Rowland and Peter Falk. Um, Gina Rowland particularly is just like ridiculously good in it. Yeah. Um, it's Cassavetes is his best, like capturing like naturalistic dialogue and a realistic setting. Um, probably the forerunner of what you would call like your white people genre of movies, because that's really kind of like what it is. But just. Yeah, but I love uh, that's the thing though is like, and it, it's so weird that like I just have this like mental block with when it comes to Cassavetes. It's like every single time I've seen a Cassavetes movie, because I know you've been on talking about him for you know however long we've known long each other now, you know, like 23 years or whatever, but no, t- 20, 22, 21 years. Um, right, but um, god, it's 2020, that's crazy, yeah, so you've been on him for a while and it's like i saw some of his movies like in my like you know late teens early 20s like on stars there would be like a random movie and i'd like and i remember the first time like i saw one i can't remember which one it was but it was like i turned it on halfway through and i was captivated by it like his 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 just the way that like he kind of like voyeur he's like very voyeuristic in the way that he films so it feels like you're kind of listening in a lot of times in things like that you're kind of like there right like and like his dialogue is the dialogue his movies is amazing and every single time i see one i love it i never go seek them out (laughs) yeah it's so weird that i don't do that like i mean i understand that kind of um he's sort of like the he's really kind of the the godfather of like the the indie boom in the 90s like mm -hmm. the, the diy um indie filmmakers i mean he's in my opinion the master of like cinema verite without the like shaky handheld and stuff i mean it to your point it really does kind of feel voyeuristic um you feel like you're in like a real i don't know like real world situation as opposed to watching a movie and you feel Um, like you're watching real people yeah and he's because he was an actor himself i think he's a really great director at getting like amazing performances out of people so you always get just really like like who is it ben ben gazzara and like yeah. chinese bookie mm-hmm. and peter falk and gina rollins here and i think he was married to gina rollins at this point mm. um just amazing performances out of his actors yeah. um it was hard because 
this is i mean I, I love chinatown and i think chinatown's the right choice but um this and texas chainsaw are probably like my personal like nostalgia favorites out of this list like i love both of those movies a lot um i think texas chainsaw was like unfairly maligned at that point and it, it probably honestly isn't the fifth best movie of that year okay thank you um but it's my you know right, one of my favorite movies yeah. of all time and a masterpiece i yeah. think of storytelling and setting and set design and just like a master class in building tension which is crazy uh-huh. that like toby hooper never really like replicated that again uh-huh. but maybe you can't like maybe that's like sort of like like rodriguez when you watch el mariachi like el mariachi just has this like vibrant like energy to it that um desperado right that's the remake of yep. el mariachi mm-hmm. desperado kind of like glosses over with like its hollywood gene to it sure but like you feel i don't know like i understand the point you're making yeah there's an urgency yes. to el mariachi that doesn't mm-hmm. exist when you've got like you know millions of dollars to work with on a budget and that's probably the truth too with hooper you know forcing these people to work in like texas like 110 degree texas right. heat for like whatever 12 14 hours a day mm-hmm. you know like actually creates this like insanity that just gets captured absolutely um yeah i, I have to admit like when you email me this list and like i saw that like you had texas chainsaw on there and the conversation was not among your nominees. <laughs> I felt a very certain way about that. Well, right. But your first text was like, WTF? <laughs> the conversation doesn't make your list? Uh, only because I know that you love the conversation so much. It's I was like shocked. I, you know. Um, I mean, there's other but, stuff. But that... I, I think it shows something about me. Like, I love Texas Chainsaw. N- not as much as you. Like, you. I know that, like, that's your favorite horror movie of all time, like, you know, like, hands down, I think. Probably, it's, I always call it my Desert Island movie, like, that's right, yeah, the yeah. movie that I can watch anytime and but still I be entertained. I think it's brilliant, like, you know, and it's like, but, the, I was just getting ready to say it, too, it's like, I think it's brilliant as a horror movie, um, and it's like, I think there's a certain thing with me still where it's like, very rarely does horror there's horror movies and there's movies that can cross over into like in my mind into real film sure and texas chainsaw despite being like one of my favorite horror movies and understanding the brilliance of it still doesn't cross over into like real film to me yeah that's crazy to me yeah like like the shining does the shining crosses over in the real film to me like but it's like it's like texas chainsaw is still a horror movie well you can't watch a kubrick movie and not recognize the brilliance of it right yeah but but yeah it's weird it's like there's um other movies that kind of cross over into being being i have to think about i i really have to i mean i agree with you like i really have to check myself sometimes when i think about movies for lists because i'll think of horror movies sometimes and be like ah no that's not a real movie (laughs) um but we're conditioned to think that way because like you've been taught sure by like reviewers like you know ebert and Mm siskel and Especially people, Rex Reed and um, what's the other one? The one with the big mustache that was on uh, the Today Show, um, with the glasses and the frizzy hair. Oh, that's um, shit! I, I can't remember. I can't, his name. Yeah, I can't remember his name. One of the the, the other like really famous yeah, like, yeah, critic yeah. from uh-huh. that time. Um, like your condition to not think of those movies as real movies. Sure, Leonard Maltin, same way. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah. um. 
So some other movies from that year that I think are notable. Um, Werner Herzog had The Enigma of Caspar Hauser, uh, which is a strange, small movie. Um, really good, but like not up to the caliber. I think I like the five that I picked. Um, there's a version of Murder on the Orient Express directed by um, Cindy Lumet um, that has Albert Finney um, and Ingrid Bergman. It's my favorite adaptation of that uh, story. I know you're not a huge fan of like that story in general. Agatha Christie. Yeah, but general, like I, yeah. I, I, I love that like, um, like drama of manners, I guess, or whatever that yeah. it is. Like I don't know. It's 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 really well done, and um, Finney is. It's because of the time period. It just. Uh, I mean, I you know how that. I feel about that time period. Like I just to get. I don't know. Yeah, Finney's amazing in it, and there's also. Lauren Bacall's in it, and Sean Connery's in it. Yeah, it's I, just, I like the, like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a weird. great cast. I should probably watch it at some point. Um, the Night Porter, which is this really weird movie about a uh, former Nazi developing a relationship with this um, Jewish woman in a hotel that he's living at, and it's really uncomfortable. And um, It's one of the earlier Criterion releases. Like mm-hmm. I think it's in like the first 20 or 30 Criterion releases that it came out, so... Mm-hmm. Um, something that I bought when I was like obsessively buying like every Criterion DVD that I could. Right. Um, full disclosure, I own about like three to four hundred Criterions. I think that was part of those Mondays you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, right? I've, 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 when I've you had go to, to Borders and you just buy every Criterion that came. <laughs> right. Out. They get eleven dollars of my money every month now, and that's enough. <laughs> right. I think. Yeah. Um, Parallax View, which to me is weird that like that would not get nominated over something like Towering Inferno because. I don't know. Yeah, I, I saw you uh, when you put this on there. I don't know this movie. You need to watch it. You would really like it. It's yeah. a good good spy film. It's apparently on HBO Go. So. Um, Buñuel's Phantom of Liberty, um, which is one of the lesser Buñuel movies. But, like I again, in the same way that I talk about, you know, we say Kubrick, anything that he makes deserves watching. I feel the same way about all of Buñuel's stuff. Like, I think even if you're not a huge fan of, like, his surrealism, like, it still is he still is making important movies that have like relevance and you know are captivating at certain points is he the guy that i don't like uh you don't like some of his stuff we talked about um veridiana on an episode once oh, no, i like that movie yeah um discreet charm with the bourgeoisie uh right lodge no, door like... okay that's not who i'm thinking of who's who's the who's the surrealist that i don't like i mean but... Boonwell did a lot of surreal stuff he did. He did Lodge Door no, and Unshan no. um, Andalou yeah. and Magic Mountain. Oh, that's um, Jodorowsky. Jodorowsky. Yeah, right. Alejandro oh, Jodorowsky. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, Magic yeah, Mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, El Topo and uh, right. Santa Sangre. Right. Um, right. You're gonna have to watch El Topo someday. Didn't I watch El Topo? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You did for yeah. uh, that and Magic Mountain. We we watched. Like you had me watch at some point. It's it's Holy Mountain, not Magic Holy, Mountain. Okay. <laughs> You fuck you. You're making me say Magic Mountain. Um, yeah, we watched El Topo for like some kind of westerns, right? No. Yeah. Did we? Yeah, I think so. I don't think so. Alternative? I can't remember. Alternative westerns? Maybe I dreamed that podcast. I think you. I think you no, I think you. I'm uh, going to have to go back and see. Nope. No, you're jumping ahead. What? To what? To a list in September. Oh. I well, was, spoiler. You're right. Have to watch El Topo uh, again. Was Astrid Westerns? Is it? Yeah. Remember, I what I, I could have sworn we talked about El Topo. What, Let, the Western episode did really well. I texted you and I was like, "Hey, I was looking at like other like 
Western episodes to do, and I was thinking about like doing like this uh, like Aster Acid Westerns, yeah. and you like immediately within like two minutes like sent me like five movies. Yeah, I already had a list. So like, I, it's like the furthest list that we have ahead right now, like because I have a list from September. Like, yeah. So those are the movies for that year that I think are notable. Um, all of those movies better than Lenny or um, Towering Inferno. Um, but you know, the Academy Awards for being as much about like celebrating the best of film is also about celebrating like Hollywood celebrating itself. Mm -hmm. So I think there is a lot of things you see where the nominations are almost like lifetime achievement things or just like throwing a bone to somebody that's been in the game for a long time. Like somebody like Jack Lemmon, you see nominated like for best actor at points and it's like, come on, like not. Well, it's like Paul Newman getting like i i my my hate robert hate. redford another one that he just gets nominated for shit i i stopped watching the oscars at some point in the like late 90s i think maybe early 2000s yeah. but i religiously watched the oscars because my mom did and like from like the 80s like through the 90s and then i was really invested in the 90s when i got in the film like paul thick like 94 with paul or 95 i guess with like the pulp fiction you know nomination and all those kind of things, but it's like, um, what got nominated that year, or maybe it was the year after that. Uh, Paul Newman in Nobody's Fool. Oh, right. Like that's a that's a that's like an honorary yeah. nomination. Like that he wasn't. There's nothing special about Paul Newman's performance. I mean, I'll be that. honest. Like up until my son was born, the Oscars used to be one of my favorite nights of the year. Like I would sit in my room by myself, and I would usually play games of Risk like against myself. <clears throat> and eat snacks and just watch the Oscars. Is that because nobody will play Risk with you? Well, I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Most people don't like playing Risk with me. Yeah, I'll never, I'll never play Risk with you ever again. Because you're gonna lose. <laughs> ah. he is good. I'll give him that. Um. So yeah. So I mean, a really good year for movies in general, and some really good stuff. Australia. Um, That's your key, right? Is that your thing? Depends on where you start. I mean, you got to look at like where your forces are. But like, if you can get if you can get Australia early and you can sort of like just take like one or two lands at a time, so you can keep building cards uh -huh. and let some idiot like get the early stages of reinforcements out of the way. Once you get up to like ten reinforcements, you can just pop out of Australia and take all of Russia in like one sweep, and then right. you just move into North America, and then everyone's fucked. Like once you start getting those armies for um, Asia. Like, people are just done. And then nobody wants to play anymore. Right. Plus, it makes the game take a really long time the way that I play it. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of it is just me making someone else frustrated to the point where they feel like they have to overextend to try and get it over with. And then I just go in and... It's been a long time now. That was definitely what I was feeling. That was frustration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And boredom. Yeah. I mean, I'm a good I'm a good strategist, you know? Like, <laughs> gotta, gotta work with the tools you have. <laughs> All right. So... Is that everything in 75? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay. So moving on to the 1976 Oscars, the nominees were Barry Lyndon uh, by Stanley Kubrick, Dog Day Afternoon by Sidney Lumet, uh, Jaws from Steven Spielberg, uh, Nashville Nashville by Robert Altman, and then One, One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest by Milo's Foreman. Um, so Cuckoo Nest won that year. So how do you feel about those li that list? That's um, a damn good list. I have I have four of those five on my list. Yeah. Uh, the only one that I would not say, and I really like this movie a lot. I just think there's better movies. Um, was Nashville. Yeah. Um, but every all, all four of those other movies would be on my my list as well. Mm -hmm. 
Um, the only thing that I would add is I would take Nashville off and I would put The Passenger uh, by Michelangelo Antonioni mm-hmm. um, on the list. It's a Jack Nicholson movie. Um, one of my favorite movies of the 70s, honestly. Like, one of my, I, I think maybe my favorite Nicholson performance of all time. Um, it absolutely is. And just, it's just a brilliant movie. Yeah, you've always talked about this movie. Um, like, the sense of loss of identity and finding your identity and i don't know it's just it's a it's it's a fantastic movie i i I love antonioni like a lot um i really like his like stuff from the 60s uh with monica vitti like um uh laclise and uh, la ventura um red desert which is in the 70s but the passenger is just an amazing movie um and i think definitely should have been nominated you you made me watch this I think you made me watch it back Probably. in like the mid two thousands. Yeah, it got re released on a good like collector's edition DVD in like the mid two thousands. No, we were talking about it. Do you remember that guy on Philo Flavor, the old hip hop message board huh? that used to? I can't remember who what his name was that used to release like put out a movie every week and like. Oh right, I remember. Upload that. it for people. Uh huh. Um, it was one of those like he had uploaded the passenger, and I was telling you about it, and you were like, "Oh yeah, you definitely need to watch yeah. that." Because I remember watching it on a computer screen when I watched it. I mean, the thing I love the most about The Passenger... Did you like it? Yeah. The thing I love the most about The Passenger is, like, it starts... You know, he's in the city, and it's, like, this really... Antonio, and he frames everything in, like, boxes almost in the city. Like, the yard is a box, his apartment is a box, his office is a box. Like, everything's, like, trapped in. And then as he leaves the city and moves away like into the desert, like everything just opens up and it's just some of the most beautiful, like expansive photography of landscape along with this. I mean, in my opinion, just amazing performance by Nicholson. Um, I, I prefer this performance of Nicholson to Cuckoo's Nest, um, which is, you know, an iconic role for him. But like, this is just like more human and more subtle to mm-hmm. me. And just, I don't know. It's just a, it's an amazing movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would have put Dog Day, uh, Jaws, and Cuckoo's Nest on the list. Um, I think all four of those movies are just really incredible films. Um, it's funny to me that Jaws was nominated anyway, um, because it's it's weird that like a genre movie like that would transcend. And although I guess the year before they had The Towering Inferno, and Jaws made a fortune at the box office too. Sure. So maybe that's just their thing. Is every year it's like the movie that can kind of be considered a real quote unquote real film that made like a ton of money gets like slapped on the list. And look, I enjoy uh, when we watch, so we watched Jaws uh, last summer episode 39 top five summer movies. It was uh, number one on your list. And I enjoyed that movie a lot more than I thought. Uh, I thought I would like rewatching it. There was just like the, the water stuff. Like I just don't like stuff on the yeah, water, and- but, but I mean like a lot of that movie is like, with Schneider, like, you know, on land and like the politics of it and all those kind of, I, I, I really liked all right. that stuff a lot. And the performances are good in it. Oh like, yeah. Really good. Like one and, of the uh, best, one of the best monologues too. Yeah, absolutely. I think in yeah. the movies with, um, talking about the boat, Robert Shaw, you know, yeah. Robert Shaw talking yeah. about his boat mm-hmm. and the sharks like attacking him. Yeah, in the water. absolutely. Um, I, it's, it's, again, it's kind of like the thing with, I was just talking about with Texas chainsaw a little bit. It's like the idea that the jaws is the best picture. I, I don't know. There's just something weird about it to me. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Jaws is the best picture, but I think it deserves... I, like, I, I just... It's weird that it got nominated to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I would nominate it. I think Day of the Locust better, like, is, is more of, like, an actual real movie than... Man, look at you 
jump in my uh <laughs> jump in my list. Sorry. Oh. So the other movies that I think were notable that year, um John Schlesinger's uh, Day of the Locust, uh-huh. um really good adaptation of um shit, what's that author's name? I can't remember his name. Um Oh, Nathaniel West. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that and Lonely Hearts something. Oh shit, what is the name of I there, there was a paperback yeah, yeah, that was yeah. released that has those two novellas back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't um, remember that. Day of the Locust is an amazing adaptation, and it's a really good movie. Um, Volker Schlondorf's uh, Lost Honor of Katerina Blum. Um, Magic Flute by Ingmar Bergman was that year, uh, which is one of my less lesser Bergman movies, but like still it's one of those things where... Like, Miss Lonely like, Hearts. Miss Lonely, yeah. yeah. It's still like a Bergman movie, and it's still worth seeing. Right. Um... The one that I actually sort of argued with myself, like back and forth, in to replace Jaws would have been Picnic and Hanging Rock. Mm. Um, I think Peter Weir is a ridiculously underrated director, and like I love like the I don't know, like almost mystical, like fairy tale beauty of that movie. Like it, the movie feels haunted, like in every single frame, and. Just one of the most effective, I don't know, uses of, like, soft focus and, like, has this really, like, daydreamy feel to it. It's just, it's it's a beauty. If, if you've never seen the film Picnic at Hanging Rock, not the TV series, you should, like, watch it. Because it's not that long and it's really yeah. engrossing. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a memorable movie. Like I, yeah, I mean, honestly, like, even thinking about it now, like, I still kind of feel like maybe that instead of Jaws for that year. Um, and then the one movie that I put on the notable list that I don't know that I would ever recommend anyone watch is um, Sallow, 120 Days of Sodom by um, uh, Pier Paolo Pasolini. That's a really controversial movie. I've never seen it, but that's, Dude, that's a really controversial movie, right? Yeah, it's, like, wasn't that like considered like obscene or something? Like, oh, yeah. Okay. It's... Um, I don't know much about it. I just... Child, child torture, basically. Like, oh, it's real tough really? to watch. Oh, yeah. What's the, pl- what's the plot of it um, like, that allows for that to happen? Fuck, it's been like 20-some years since I've seen this movie. It's So it's like these kids are in, I think, like an exclusive boarding school, but they're getting, like, like tortured, basically, at the school. I, I don't remember. I mean, I've... Is it like a real movie, or is it like... It's, mm, like kind it's a real of, movie. Oh, okay. I, 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 mean, just, look, I just mean, like, it's not like a... Is it like an indie, indie type thing, like, at the time, or like... Yeah, I mean, well, Pasolini was a... I don't know what you call him, like an avant-garde director, maybe oh, okay. or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful movie; like it's really well oh, filmed. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think they filmed it in like an old castle, maybe or something. Mm. Um, it's one of those things where I saw it and never wanted to watch it again, and have not watched it since, mm. and don't know that I could ever go back and watch it because, like. It makes me feel so uncomfortable, like thinking about watching it again. Interesting. Like all I can remember is like just like flashes of things, like the abuse and just these like young, like people on these like dirty floors and dirty rooms. And- I guess just to clarify, I guess what I'm saying when I ask if it's a real movie, it's like so it's like it's a movie that like was very controversial i know and stuff like that because yeah then, okay but it's like um it's not like the fucking human centipede or anything no 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 no. it's, no, it's, no, it's no. like a real movie yeah, yeah, yeah. okay all right. human centipede's a real movie it's just dumb yeah right I, uh, you get my distinction though i do to, okay yeah human centipede is 
somebody saying like, oh, you know, it'd be fucked up, and then saying the thing that would be fucked up, and this then, isn't a guy saying you know, right, be trying to build up. a this movie actual, around it. Right. Okay. This is a th- this is a very anti-fascist like. Okay. No, it, no, it, it, it's it's one hundred percent like fascism is terrible, and here's like why it's terrible, gotcha. but it just is so extreme. Huh. Um, I mean, you should no, see. I want to see it. Yeah. It's on a criterion channel i think oh is it? okay i'm pretty sure i mean yeah no it is i've seen it on there i i, I own the criterion dvd okay which i've never it's like the one criterion dvd i own that i've never watched hmm. and probably never will hmm. um my winner for this year would have been barry linden um barry linden is the uh, barry linden to me i don't know how it's one of how the most didn't. beautiful movies ever made yeah. um completely engaging um just a really like powerful performance by ryan o'neill in a way that i think only kubrick could have gotten it out of him just by like torturing that man so much um and just like a masterpiece in terms yeah. of the cinematography and the set design and, and the framing the and lighting in that movie Jesus, everything about everything. it is the yeah. the dialogue it's just yeah. the the plot like it's 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 weird because it takes a guy that really is kind of a deplorable character and makes you fascinated by him in a way where, like, sometimes you're kind of rooting for him to win, even though he's, like, the worst dude. But you're completely satisfied when he gets his comeuppance. Um, and definitely a better movie, in my opinion, than One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Which I sometimes feel is overrated a little bit, even though I like that movie a lot. Like, I kind of think that people like it a little too much. I don't know. I'm going to call bullshit on this claim that you like, uh, like, that you, like really like that movie why because i always say that because you always because i enjoy one i think it's like a thing where it's like you don't want to get into the conversation with people about that and you really don't like no no that's lord of the rings like i do the lord of the rings thing where i'd go "Mm, it's fine it's like i I feel with one of the cuckoo's nest if i caught you with just the right amount of alcohol in you (laughs) and brought it up you'd be like fuck that movie that pretentious bullshit right Uh uh-huh right yeah like i I, do feel that way yeah i know yeah but it doesn't mean it's not a good movie. Like right, it's yeah. it's got really good performances and it's got some some iconic characters, you know, yeah. like Nurse Ratched and whatever, and yeah. some scenes that like. But Fletcher, Fletcher's probably actually the best part of that whole movie to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but is it like the best movie that you're now? I agree. I it's mean, not. I think I think you're right about Barry Lyndon. I mean, look, I th- honestly like. I, I in, think The Passenger is a better movie than One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I think in some ways Nashville is a better movie than One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, Even though I don't have it on my top five, right. like I like Dog Day Afternoon, but I don't like a whole lot of Altman. But I like that Altman. We've never talked. I don't know how this is another one that's like never made a list. Is Dog Day Afternoon? I don't know what list it would be. You on. really like that movie? Top five romances, maybe. Hmm. Like maybe that would be it. Yeah. Doomed romances, or I just something had a weird like flashback. That. I think you like said that exact same thing on the podcast like a year ago or something yeah, that's probably true like what you would put it on as top five I, it's weird that we've never gotten to it because i really love it it's just like well it's it's kind of like almost like undefinable in terms of its genre because it's a crime movie but it's not really a crime movie and it's sort of a heist movie but not really and it's i don't know it's just like it's that's why i love the 70s so much because you have these like weird yeah like indescribable movies that just like meander so much between like different i don't know genres or they're just i don't know they're it's like this leash was taken off of these directors and they were just making movies that they felt mattered and 
you know, it's it's crazy that like, um, fucking uh, you know, Sidney Lumet the year before makes this prim and proper period piece for uh, Murder on the Orient Express, and then makes this like almost the absolute like polar opposite type of movie with Dog Day. Sure. With these amazing performances, yeah. and it's a really controversial subject, you right. know, yeah. and yeah. there's just, um, I don't know, it's it's just a really great film. Yeah. No, I mean, I um, I, I wrote down top five romances. Um, Maybe doomed romances. I think that's probably the better mm-hmm. way to look at it, because that's a more interesting now list you're to me than it for me. top five romances. Because I wanted to ask you, I was going to like do top five romances and then psychoanalyze you based on your picks. Well, we can do that if you want. <laughs> Didn't we do top five? We did top five romantic comedies. Romantic comedies, right. Yeah. Right. That's different. Like, that's a genre. It's much more subjective and personalized if I if you just do top five romances and then I get to find out what you actually think of is, is romantic. Being left alone. I don't know. <laughs> that's a joke. It's just I'm a single, joke. ladies. Ha-ha. <laughs> yeah, somebody was trying to get you hook you up last night. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Whatever. I love everyone when I'm super drunk. <laughs> Can we so, move on to um Barry Lyndon um yeah. yeah is definitely like we and we talk about that um probably rave about that in uh the third episode of the podcast uh, top yeah. 5 period piece of the 70s. I know like I went on for like a while like oh my god there's these like AFI like s- series that's on YouTube and like that go- breaks down like all these different facets of the movie and like it, yeah it's it's an amazing movie. I mean it was it was <clears throat> it, it's funny cuz it was a technological marvel at the time like we talked a few weeks ago about um across 110th street being one of the first movies i think the first movie to use like the airflex um cameras right and in this sense you know kubrick films this entire movie with natural light like there's not a single aside from candlelight there's not a single thing that's done with you know electricity to like light a scene and just and the, and what he can get out of that is amazing. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yes, yeah. like the deep blues of like the night sky mm-hmm. behind people sitting around a card table yeah. in this like warmly lit you know parlor. I, I man, right. that's it. No, it's amazing. So yeah. good. Yep. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to 1977. Okay. Okay, so in 1977, the nominees were All the President's Men, Network, Rocky, Taxi Driver. And Bound for Glory with Rocky winning Best Picture. Yeah, that's that's insane to me. I mean, Rocky's fine, but it's not it's not a Best Picture. <clears throat> I think that was the thing where it was like the the combination of it being like, because it was an indie movie, um, yeah, and sort of a feel good story, and also like a blockbuster hit, like of the year or so. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I really like Rocky. So yeah, I mean, look, Rocky's fine. Like I like that movie, but yeah. I don't think that it's it's best picture worthy. Um, I could maybe see a nomination. I don't know if it should. I don't think it should win, but I can definitely see where it got nominated. Yeah, I mean my my list for the year. Um, I I would leave all the presidents men, um, and network. I think they're both and taxi driver. Those three would still remain on the list, uh, but I would have added. Uh, the Man Who Fell to Earth, the Nicholas Rogue movie with Bowie, we've talked about before. Yeah, that was, and um, yeah. Nagisa Oshima's In the Realm of the Senses, um, which actually would have been like my winner for Best Picture that year. Right, so I don't know anything about this movie, so you want It's a... Um, I don't know what you would call it. It's 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 a period piece drama uh, about a... 
I can't remember what they're called. Like, not really a geisha, but like a pleasure woman. Um, and her lover, um, in like feudal Japan, uh, pretty, pretty noteworthy, um, at the time for being controversial because it's, um, it's got full frontal male and female nudity and, Mm. um, pot, like unsimulated sex in it. So not anything that the Academy would ever have like put their name behind, maybe not even today. Um, but just like um, Oshima is is a brilliant director. Um, it's a a really like so one of my favorite Kurosawa movies is The Lower Depths, and I love The Lower Depths because like it's it's dirty and it makes you feel the poverty of the people that like you're watching. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of similar, but it's also really lush and beautiful, um, really well filmed and acted, um, really compelling story. Uh, this and um, Empire of Passion are my the two Oshima movies that like I like the most, and they're just both fantastic movies. And this movie is where have we talked about Oshima recently? I don't know. Mm. What was the what was the Japanese story about? Is that he directed the one about the boy like living with like his reprobate con artist parents? Is uh, that is that Oshima? Is that him? I'm pretty sure. Let's look <clears throat> it up. You feel like I I feel like I should know this. Um anyway. Yeah. So just a really really beautiful movie, really well done. Um I love all the president's men. Um I think, you know, one of my favorite Redford performances. Um we talked at length about Man Who Fell to Earth. Um again, another movie probably a little too experimental and weird uh for the Academy, but one of my favorite Nicholas Rogue movies, um, who in the seventies really like an underrated, I don't know if he's underrated because I think people like genuinely appreciate Rogue, but this and performance, um, don't look now, which is a fantastic Sutherland performance. Um, and a really good, like, I don't know, like borderline psychological horror movie, but also just a really good like examination of loss. But Rogue is a fantastic director. Um, Network, which is the Cindy Lumet, Cindy Lumet uh, trifecta, with um, doing a Dog Day Afternoon the previous year and uh, Murder on the Orient Express in '74. Uh, yeah, I mean that's quite that's that's quite an achievement to have. All those three movies, like year year after year after year, network actually almost made a upcoming or did it? Did I? No, I didn't put that on there. Almost made an upcoming list, and I got to find a way to work it in someday because I really love network a lot. Like I think network's a really good examination of um, you just like getting beaten down by the system, kind of, and like right, like how much how much can you take as a person? from like the banality of like a corporation or whatever and mm-hmm. like how much can you stand before you well you know you stand up and like i'm mad as hell and i'm not going to take right, it anymore yeah. uh-huh. um taxi driver you know one of scorsese's best films and one of de niro's maybe de niro's best performance um really uncomfortable stuff with you know jody foster and one of the things that i like constantly quote is that um Oh, shit. What is it? Oh, and see, now I can't even remember it. It's the thing that, like, 
uh, she has the little placard that's like, it's not, it's not Pobody's Nerfect. It's the crap. It's the thing that basically says that like everyone makes mistakes. Hmm. Now I feel like an idiot because like I, I say this in my head all the time. Like the thing I've that, never heard you say this. I say to my, I don't say, oh, I say okay. to myself. Like oh, I'm, okay. it's a weird reference. Like I don't know if anybody would get it. When he goes to talk to Sybil Shepard. When do you Shepherd, say it to yourself? Like, like you fuck something up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he goes to talk to Sybil Shepard and she's got the the the, the framed picture. I have not seen Taxi Driver uh, since like see? 1993. This is a failure. This this podcast is the worst. Because <laughs> I can't remember what no, this thing I, is. No, actually, I think I, I realized when I was like thinking about The Man Who Fell to Earth. and Because that was episode seven, the top five alien movies. And I want to say that might be one of my least favorite podcast episodes we've ever done. Not because of, like, the episode itself, but right. just because, like, I just didn't really have much of a connection to any other. I, I just didn't find those movies to be that. I don't remember what's on that list. So it's that and Alien. What yeah. else is on that list? What's the... Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, right. Yeah, that's where we talked about Rocky yeah. Horror. I'd really like to talk about Rocky Horror... Were we drunkenly talking about Rocky Horror last night? No, it was last weekend. We were... Um, oh, no, right. Brandy and I were talking about it yesterday. That's yeah. what it was. Okay. Last weekend, we were playing the... um, Or maybe two weekends ago. No, because that was the weekend that I died. Um, <laughs> no, that was last week. I don't remember anything. Who knows? Um, All nights involving alcohol. Right. A couple weeks ago, we were like talking yeah. about Rocky Horror on the way home. We were playing... Um, right, I remember that, yeah the songs from it and uh-huh. talking about what our favorite songs were yeah uh so that's three i can't remember the other two are on that list no. um, yeah i want to talk about that again at some point because i want to talk about some ideas about gender with that movie yeah. that i've thought about recently uh so i've never seen bound for glory so i really can't um talk about it i mean i like i like hal ashby mm-hmm. so i think that it's probably a pretty decent movie and it's david carradine which is and ronnie cox yeah that's um really intriguing to me like i'd like to see like a david carradine performance um so some other stuff from that year that i think was pretty notable uh bernardo bertolucci's 1900 um which is a really good period piece um i kind of like vacillated like putting that on instead of a man who fell to earth um de palma's carrie is that year which is another horror movie that i think because of its just the skill with the way De Palma films it and the performances, I think it kind of transcends just being like a quote unquote, like horror movie. Um, same thing with the Omen, which was that year, which the Omen's one of my favorite seventies mm-hmm. horror movies. Um, Cassavetti's killing of a Chinese bookie, which we've talked about during the seventies crime <clears throat> movies. Yeah. It's episode 27. Um, John Schlesinger's marathon man, uh, another really good Dustin Hoffman performance, um, and a really uncomfortable movie. Um, Marathon Man's a movie I have a lot of trouble watching for some reason because it just makes me like feel uncomfortable to watch it. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Um, Arthur Penn's The Missouri Breaks with Marlon Brando and Jack Nicholson, which is another like those are great performances by those two in that movie. Um, and Roman Polanski's The Tenant, which I think is maybe in my opinion like Polanski's most underrated film. Like you never really hear people talk about The Tenant when they talk about Polanski, but yeah. just the I love movies where you don't necessarily know if what you're seeing is actually happening mm-hmm. or if it's just because a person's crazy. Um, and the way that he films, like, someday we'll do, a, I don't know, urban horror list or something like that, mm-hmm. and the tenant will be on it. Um, 
but the way that he films like the weird creatures and like the opposite windows and just the slowly building sense of dread and paranoia that comes with that movie um i think maybe people don't maybe it's because he cast himself in the lead is like why it's not really talked about but i mean he's mm. he's really good in it yeah i liked it when i watched it um it's been up on prime for like three months and i keep like every once in a while like thinking about like watching Same it and i just never do yeah but yeah it's a good movie i have that problem with a lot of stuff and i always tell myself ah, it's just gonna be here and then yeah. someday it's gonna go away and i'm gonna be really it's pissed. actually really hard to just for some reason just to watch like just turn on a plansky movie for me i agree with that like i it's almost like if it's for the podcast, like I'd have no problem sitting down and watching it. But the idea of watching it for pleasure has started to like affect me in some ways. Like not just because I mean because of his the personal stuff, right? But that's the thing that I have trouble with. Yeah, um, but I, I mean, yeah, I still I think he's brilliant and yeah, it's, it's a shame because he has some of my favorite movies mm-hmm. like of all time. I mean, Chinatown Rose or um, yeah, Chinatown Rosemary's Baby, Repulsion, The Tenant, right. Knife mm-hmm. in the Water yeah fearless vampire killers like all really good movies and it's just really difficult to reconcile like well i mean that's the thing is like i still use um tomorrow in class like i'm doing two men to wardrobe when i use that short to like teach like um you know just like kind of uh interpreting interpreting like you know visual analysis and stuff like that like you know and um so yeah, like I, I haven't had anybody because nobody knows who Roman Polanski is anymore. Like no, no young people really seem to know. But um, so like nothing ever gets said. But um, I just kind of ignore the ignore the whole thing and just still use it because he's just a, he's a brilliant filmmaker. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, Oshima did do boy. Yeah, I looked it up. I was going to mention it. Yeah, yeah. he did boy. Yeah. And Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, which is a um, pretty underrated movie that's about um americans in a japanese internment camp hmm. during world war ii it's got yeah. a bowie in it as well a lot of his stuff's up on criterion too isn't it yeah 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 cruel cruel story of youth boy i think probably empire passion and um in the realm of the senses although again those are they're they're pretty like sexually explicit movies so i don't know maybe they're not yeah i don't think criterion has much problem with that if it's artistic. you never know yeah, yeah. that's true yeah, they're usually pretty good about that I, I'll have to see if Salo is up on there because that would be like the litmus. I'm po- I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it is. Um, I because I've I think that's why I looked it up because I saw it on Criteria yeah. maybe and it was like I'd heard of it before, but and then I I remember the quote. Further. Oh, okay. It's I need to get organized, uh-huh. is what it says on her like thing, and he's you don't remember the scene like he becomes obsessed over the fact that like it's funny because. Right, I like didn't, he's I didn't a guy really... that doesn't get jokes because he's such like a right whatever like a crazy yeah like fuck. But no, I couldn't remember what it said. Like, uh, but yeah. I, I remember. I need to get organized. Yeah. So a- every time, like, I think about like the mess that my life is in general. Like, I always think like, oh, I need to get organized, <laughs> and then I laugh. My my secret admission about Taxi Driver is that I acknowledge it's a great movie. I don't really care. Yeah, I understand that. Like at all. Like Taxi- people, like people, like will sit there, like, oh man, like Taxi Driver is so great. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> I had the, I I had the opportunity to see Taxi Driver as a re-release in the theater, mm-hmm. and um, seeing it on the big screen was really impressive. Yeah. And um, 
I, I wish that I wish we had people. I wish we had more of that around right. here. Although they have a bunch of revivals now, like all the time, and it's like I just. It was at um. I don't know if you don't ever, go to them. But. It was at the Ritz, the Ritz Borscht, I think. Mm-hmm. The one where you have to go downstairs yep, to go that's into the Borscht, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw that, and we saw Angels and Insects on the same day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so it was a pretty good day. Yeah, that's where I saw watching. Dancer in the Dark. I think with Aiden and Bledsoe. Yeah. I really miss. I mean, when I was a kid, like when I was like between like seventeen and maybe twenty one. Man, we used to go up and we would just watch like like two or three movies a day, yeah. like up in Philly. And you could go to, because it was the Ritz Eats, the Ritz Borscht, and then um, oh, what's the other one? We would actually go to the Ritz Voorhees sometimes too, up in mm-hmm. Jersey. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing theater. Like yeah. that's what maybe my favorite movie theater of all time. Um, but it's so far away and it's just like isolated. Yeah. There's like really nothing. There's up so there. much cur- like like the the Charles like in Baltimore like. Is always doing like Kurosawa like yeah. movies all the time that I'd love to see on the screen. And it's like just the idea of driving to Philly and Baltimore anymore just makes me want to take a nap. There's other places in Baltimore. There, so we we've talked about this before, but um, down where they filmed Homicide in Fells Point, yeah, there was just a little like revival movie theater, it, basically in like some dude's attic, kind of like mm-hmm. you would just go upstairs of like this house. Yeah, and I got to see um, Wicker Man and. Something else there on Halloween in like 1996 or something, That's and it cool. was yeah, fantastic. I can't remember what the other movie was, but you know, just this tiny little like rinky dink like setup with a projector and right, like you had to sit like so you weren't in the light of the projector because like it was basically behind your head. Mm-hmm. But it was um, it was cool. It was a uh, and yeah, like maybe five dollars like when we were up in um, what's the place in PA that we went? Me and Brandy went. Like this past summer, like the oh, um, Poconos. Yeah, when we were in the Poconos. Like they had something kind of like set up like that, like at one of the places where they would like show movies like every day, and we watched um, Ghostbusters like that. <clears throat> but yeah, that's 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 pretty cool. But this was a good year for movies. Um, I am gonna try and find Bound for Glory and see if I can watch it. Um, because usually like when we talk about these, like I've seen everything on the list, but I've never seen that. It's also uh the Oscars that happened like right after I was born. So I was a couple months old when these Oscars aired. Right, right. I hadn't seen any at that point. Yeah, I, I definitely want to watch In the Realm of the Senses. Um, yeah. I guess I've seen pretty much everything else except for um, Bound for Glory yeah, on that list. Huh. Yeah. Sometimes I'm surprised like how many movies I've seen even. It's oh. weird because like I, I don't think... like We've talked about like how many movies I've seen, and I know it's a lot. But I don't think people realize how many movies they see in their life. Right. Like, I'll tell people sometimes how many movies I watch in a week. And they're like, oh, my God, how do you see that much? But then I have conversations with them, and they watch, you know, three or four. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just making an effort to watch more. But Right. And because, like, I love it. But yeah. at the same time, like, I think most people probably watch, you know, between 100 and 200 movies a year, I would estimate. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Although maybe now television has kind of taken the place of that because everybody's oh, watching... Like, Netflix has, like, a new series every week, basically, that like comes out. five new series every week, because they're just pumping out as much content as possible. But, you know, it's... Let me um, tell you, though, I, I'm i actually turning again. 
and I don't know if we talked about this, is like where I like you know I've like watched television like for, mm-hmm. like I, I've always been in the television like certainly my movie watching decreased because of how much television right. I watched. Certainly during like the prestige television era, I guess they call it now, like or the golden age of tele, second golden age or whatever, with like the Sopranos sure. through like the end of like Mad Men or whatever, or Breaking Bad maybe is how they um, probably Breaking Bad. Yeah, so so that era from like you know what ninety nine to like thirteen or something like that. Um, but I'll tell you, I'm actually becoming, and, and I don't think it's just the podcast. I'm becoming more interested in movies again. Than I am television because now it's like the same thing where it's just a glut of bullshit coming out in the theater. Like whether it was, you know, maybe I have Nicolas Cage on the brain, but it's like like National Treasure. It's like it was all that shit for right. a while, and it was all like white people shit, like for indie movies. And I just got tired of all of it. And now I find the same thing happening with television. To yeah. me, where it's just a glut of shit. It's like here's. 10 episodes of this shit that you've seen before already and it's just like a slight variation on that shit and now i'm coming back around to the idea where i'm actually finding movies much more interesting that are getting released than i do television shows yeah i mean that's interesting like but you watch the um the krasinski uh tom clancy one jack ryan or whatever yeah like that's the kind of thing where i'll never watch that like i just have no interest yeah i mean i like you know so i was yeah, watching... like i go back now those books are not they're not that great, but I was, like, when I was a kid, like I really liked Tom, like those Tom Clancy books. It was one of the first things that got me into reading, really. And <clears throat> so, like, I just give it like some credence for that. And there's some good stuff in it, and it's like, but I also have like this weird like thing with like like I when I watched Twenty Four, like that's not a good show. But I thought it's it was I thought it, right. It's entertaining. Right. It's you know it's it's funny to watch. And, sure, but um. Jack Ryan's better than that is, yeah. but it's not great. I mean, it's just kind of something to have on in the background and binge for, you know, six hours and you're done. Like, I, I was watching some scenes from um, Hunters today. Yeah, I don't have any interest in that. And they were good. Like, yeah. there was good performances uh-huh. and it seems like it's well done. But it's the thing where if that was an hour and a half, two hour long movie mm-hmm. about Nazi hunters in America, mm-hmm. I would watch that movie. Yeah. But I just... Like you said, like 10 hours of my life. Like, I really enjoyed the first few episodes of Watchmen, and I haven't gone back and watched it again. Yeah. Just because, like, that much investment, I think, shit, I could play video games and watch, like, two movies and do yeah. other stuff, like, watch YouTube instead of, like, spending the time to watch this. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, um, yeah. I, but I'll watch The Office for the fourth time. For the fourth time. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, that's always what kills me about you is, like, that you'll rewatch it like that, like, all the time, not watch anything. Like, I finally, like, had to, like, mark out so hard to, um, succession. Oh, succession. Like, right. the, like you, you felt you needed you to got watch me. it. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It's good, though. It's good. It's, it's good fantastic. Show. Yeah. Yeah. You know what it is? It's, like, I can put The Office on or Parks and Rec or 30 Rock, like, th- thing shows that I love, in Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. I don't have to focus on that. Like I can, I can draw, I can paint. Like I'm yeah. getting whittling now, so I can like whittle and like half pay attention to it or cook but that's, dinner. But that's how even on a first watch, like first watching, is like that's how Jack Ryan is to me. Yeah, like I, I, mean, I, I don't, that. I don't like pay like strict attention to it because it's not worth it, worthy of that time. But um, I just find there's a lot of stuff that's just not worthy of my time. And it's actually about secession. Like Rupert Murdoch's son, I it was a couple months ago. I was reading. Somebody had asked him like if he had watched it. And um, he said that there's 
he's gotten to the age now where he's just real he's where he's realized that there are certain things i'm just never going to watch despite all the acclaim despite all that and that's one of those things for him and like he said that and it's like yeah like i get that like right. it's like there's just things now where it's like and i have to tell heaster this all the time like right. like when he's like trying to like you know get me to watch something it's like you know what it might be really good it's just like i it's just something i'm never going to watch that's the funny thing about movies that get a lot of acclaim is there's some that i just i i just i don't know it doesn't like fit in with my interest or my life right yeah like um i i like the little women story like mm-hmm. i liked that book when i was young and mm-hmm. there's been some adaptations of it that i have like enjoyed and i think this is probably a really good adaptation i'm, that I'm came sure out it probably year. is yeah. don't know if i'll ever have the time or interest to sit down and watch i can't it. watch another little women adaptation ever again like i just can't like there's been like 20 adaptations it's been that. a lot like it's yeah. crazy I understand that. Yeah, but it's just like there's some things I'm just never going to watch, and I just have learned to kind of accept it. Hunters is one of those things. You want to move on to 78 Oscars? Sure. Okay, so 1978, the nominees were Annie Hall, uh, Star Wars, Julia, The Turning Point, and Goodbye Girl. I have not seen a lot of these movies. Um... So what do you think about that? So I didn't put a single one of those <laughs> on my list. Right. Um, I think Turning Point is a fine movie. Mm-hmm. I think Goodbye Girl is... I don't know why Goodbye Girl was nominated. I mean, it's it's fine. Um, I've never seen Julia. Um, I love Star Wars, but I don't think... I, I think Star Wars is a towering inferno thing where it just was such like a... Yeah. Such like a cultural like yeah. watershed moment that they felt like they had to nominate Absolutely. Uh-huh. Um plus L- Lucas was a pretty well respected like director at that point. Like people Right. Yeah. THX 1138 we know is a movie that people really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. Um I think but in in hindsight now it's like Star Wars isn't even the best of those three movies. I right. mean and yeah. I I like Annie Hall and I think Annie Hall has I, I think Diane Keaton is amazing in Annie Hall, like maybe my favorite Diane Keaton role ever. But I just, it's what you were just talking about with Polanski. Like, I just can't bring myself. Yeah. There's a couple of Woody Allen movies that I still love. Um, I never loved Annie Hall. Like, I liked Annie Hall. But again, another thing where I think it was just so, so new to people at the time, like that whole... New York City neurosis, you know, relationship thing because people loved movies about like relationships in the seventies that got it nominated. Um, so my nominees for the year uh, would be Three Women, Robert Altman movie, um, which we've talked about uh, on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Close Encounters was... of the Third Kind, which I'm actually really surprised wasn't nominated over Star Wars, um, even though I fucking despise that movie. Like I think it's a much it's it's a better movie than Star Wars. Spoiler, we'll be talking that, about that movie in about a month or so. <clears throat> um, Peter Weir's The Last Wave, mm-hmm. uh, Cassavetti's Opening Night, and um, Luis Buñuel's That Obscure Object of Desire, uh, with my winner for the year being Buñuel's Obscure Object of Desire. Okay, so I've not seen, out of those five you listed, I've seen three women, because we talked about that, for the Fresh Five. Right. The one time we did that in episode 33. And then Close Encounters, which we'll be talking about, like I said, in another month or so. Um, 
I have not seen those other three, so can you tell me a little bit about them? Yeah, I'm really surprised you haven't seen The Last Wave. I don't think I have. Um, So The Last Wave... Uh, I would never seek out anything with Richard Chamberlain. Well, yeah, I don't know what to tell you about that. <laughs> um, Peter Weir movie, it's a... I would call it a environmental horror movie okay um so the basic premise is that it's been raining in australia um i can't remember what chamberlain's role is in it he's like maybe he's a lawyer i i think he's a lawyer that represents um aboriginal tribesmen who have like can't afford representation otherwise so it's just been raining constantly um and the premise is that basically like the environment is taking back over like washing away it's kind of like a noah's ark flood type like allegory sort Mm -hmm. of um but because of the mistreatment of you know the natives of australia um weir was this walkabout uh picnic and hanging rock very much about how sort of white men have not appreciated like australia and its heritage and like the abuse of the aborigines and and just kind of their subjugation you know by the settlers in australia um so he was very much like his movies are very much about nature like pushing back whether it's supernatural you know in picnic and hanging rocker in this case or um just more like realistic as in walkabout um weir's a brilliant director like i i I love peter weir um it's a really good movie like you you would really like it yeah it's very um very i don't know if claustrophobic i I don't know it's it's really effective it's really good um opening night is another just examination of um like alcoholism basically um Gina Rollins is in it, Cassavetes is in it, Ben Gazzara is in it. Really great performances all around. Um, it's basically just about... <sighs> Rollins is an actress that's like days away from the opening night of her like new play. And she's kind of... She's an aging star, so she's, you know, like upset about that. And... Um, one of her fans dies and I don't know. It's, it's Cassavetes is really good at just making like, again, like movies about people. Sure. And it's really good performances. And yeah, um, it's, it's, it feels like it's probably really hard to describe a Cassavetes movie and make it sound interesting a lot of times. Yeah. Just from like what I've seen. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, cause it's just an experience. Like the, the real crux of the movie is if you try to find yourself and you don't succeed, like where does that leave you? I mm. guess kind of that okay. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like he directs her really well. And Ben Gazar is just another guy that like, he's really good at getting like fantastic performances out of. Sure. Um, obscure object of desire. Um, it's been a really long time since I've seen that. Um, one of the better, one of my favorite Buñuel movies, probably one that I think, I think you would really enjoy it just because like it's some of his stuff like Simon of the Desert I don't feel like you would like very much because it's more that Jodorowsky vein like surrealism mm-hmm. 
Um, but Obscure Object is like more of a straightforward movie. Um, I can't remember who's in it. Oh, Fernando Ray. Yeah, Fernando Ray's on it. Yeah. Um, just I don't know. I don't know what to say about that movie. I kind of want to talk about that movie someday. I don't know what list it would be on though. Maybe like. Oh, don't worry. I mean, at some point we have it down for some point in the future where we're probably going to do a top five. Buñuel. Buñuel. Yeah. yeah, that's a tough list. Yeah, I don't know what else. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Um, But really worth watching. Like, I think that any... It's funny that I can get you. Like, like when I mentioned the idea of a top five lifts your mind automatically. Yeah, I'm like, already making You're it. already trying to make it. <clears throat> um, I, I, I think that any Buñuel movie is worth watching, and I think that yeah. he's... I think he's probably... Like, I don't ever talk about him as being in my like top directors of all time like i always talk kurosawa bergman um oh he's well yeah but i think buñuel is right up there yeah um there's not much that i've seen of his like i again i'm not a huge fan of stuff like lodge door and uh unshan andalou and simon of the desert like i think they're visually arresting movies but Mm -hmm. i don't know that i'm that like that into it Mm -hmm. um but stuff like Viridiana and Obscure Object and um, Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie, like those are like yeah, amazing. The movies. ones that you talk about a lot, like uh, like you were saying, Kurosawa and Bergman, like the the four names that I have like written down to like do episodes about someday, like just in my notes, is Buñuel, Bergman, Antonioni, yeah, um, and uh, oh shit, what's the fourth one? You just mentioned their name, Buñuel. No. Kurosawa. No. Bergman? No. I just said Bergman. It's Bergman. I can't remember. There's a fourth one there that you always like that you just people that I know that you always talk about. Yeah. I can't remember who it is now. I but know. um I have to go back and listen to it. But uh, yeah. Kubrick? No. No, I can't remember. But it's no. it's a it's a it's a slightly like lesser known like director that uh, that mm. you always talk about. But it's it's obvious that those directors, even though you don't talk about them much, are like among your oh Casavetes oh Casavetes yeah yeah I have Casavetes written down like you've been talking you've been like and Peter Peter Weir too I love Peter Weir like you have been like hyping Peter Weir Casavetes like you've been repping them since I've known you like those two you should um like, watch more of their movies <laughs> motherfucker I don't know what to tell you sometimes I have good taste um. So some other stuff from that year that I kind of found I find notable. Oh, so what? So obscure object would be my winner for that year. I think right. again, like one of the best movies that Buñuel ever made. Um, close second behind that though is Three Women because I really, I really like that movie. I really love that movie. Yeah, and I don't like much Altman, but like it's, it's one of the times where I think he perfectly captures. Don't you? You like Altman up until Shortcuts. Shortcuts. Yeah. Shortcuts and everything after. Right. Shortcuts is. I wish you liked Shortcuts so I could hate it more because <laughs> I hate that movie so much. Yeah, I don't I don't care for um, Shortcuts. Does Chuck like Shortcuts? Everybody likes Shortcuts. I, I don't I thought it was good. Like I mean I not even good. It was fine. Like it's fuck that. But movie. I I yeah, it's in hindsight it it has things it's, I you don't know, like. It's 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 the Chris Penn getting crushed by the rocks. Just Right. I have never been like more forcibly divested of interest in a movie than that scene in my life. It's like it's it's like it's it, it it's it's comedy. I know it's terrible. 
Um, so some other notable movies from that year, mm-hmm. um, Eraserhead, uh, so David Lynch's, um, directorial debut, mm-hmm. uh, which is another movie, which like, I kind of vacillate whether I like or not. Um, I, I think Eraserhead is like an interesting movie, but there's things about Eraserhead that I hate, like the pretension of Eraserhead. I, I, I think that Lynch finds his voice like film wise with elephant man and beyond like where he becomes like an actual director where he's not just doing like weird shit just to do it but i mean Eraserhead's got some amazing oh yeah like sound design and set design and just use yeah i think i think he finds eventually a way to incorporate those the stylistic elements the surrealism and stuff into actual movies right later and the surrealism becomes an enhancement of the film rather yes. than the focus of the film. Oh, right. Yeah. You're you're exactly right. Um, um did you real quick, did you watch that um The Monkey thing? Yeah, the monkey thing? No. No. You know why I didn't watch it? Because Heaster liked it a lot. And I was like, fuck, I'm not ever watching this thing. Like I can't watch it. Now. Uh, I love Heaster. He's he always like He's very polarizing. <laughs> yes. He'll he, never listen to this podcast, so it doesn't matter. Right. He'll 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 catch up on it three years from right, now. Right. Six years from now. <laughs> right. He'll be he'll be in dubai listening to it right making a brisket i I, um yeah it's it's funny it's 15 minutes long and it's funny i didn't think it was like i don't know how anybody could say oh it's fantastic like it's great like i don't get that it's funny i I feel that way about a lot of lynch's short films yeah not not funny i think they're supposed to be funny sometimes they're funny sometimes they're just kind of weird but like I, it's it's funny in like just how over the top and ridiculous like it is pl- by playing it straight and pretentious it is. It's like it's funny in multiple ways. I, I I think that he makes short films in the same way that he paints, which is he's just like how we were talking about. Um, Human Centipede was like, a, oh, you know, it'd be fucked up, and then like you right. try and fill a whole movie. David Lynch is sitting there and thinks like, you know, it'd be funny. It's a dude interviewing a monkey. And then doesn't try and fill a whole movie by making, yeah. like, Dunstan checks in, too, or something. He right, just, right, yeah, yeah. you know, makes this 15-minute yeah. short film. It's, and just, it's just a, it's a noir. It's an old noir thing where it's, like, an interrogation, and it's just ho- the suspect is a monkey. So, um, a house, not... Yeah, what is this movie? Not not the house that you like, but um, yeah. it's a house. I saw house. it, and I, like, marked out for a second. I was like, wait, that's not... Houseu, I think is how you say it. Okay. It's a Japanese horror movie uh-huh. um that's done in kind of like very very cheap sets very it, it's it's really like surreal and in a lot of ways um almost like psychedelic okay but really like it, i mean it's funny and it's weird and it's like makes you uncomfortable it's almost like a dream kind of but like a really bad dream that's not necessarily a nightmare but kind of borders on it i don't know it's fun it's good to watch it's on a criterion channel what do you mean the house that you like you you just put that on a top five of last year on for the for the the year list for top five b horror movies yeah but you love house oh okay I think House is a good movie, okay. and it was one of the five best movies of that our oh, movies okay. of that year. Right, okay. but I don't have the same level of affection for House. That yeah, you that's have true, and nobody has the same level right. of affection for House or House Two: The Second Story. We're inner space. We're inner space. Yeah, right. 
someday we're going to do a podcast about inner space. Like I'm going to put inner space on the list just so you can take the lead and mark out. How many times have you seen inner space? Twice? Maybe. Didn't you just rewatch it a few years ago? Oh, it's been a while. Oh, has it? Like a decade. Oh, okay. I watched it maybe less than that. I watched it with Frankie. Yeah. It's, yeah, maybe five years. Okay. It's been since I've seen it. Maybe just, yeah. Okay. It's fine. Yeah. It's a good movie. I love Interspace. I know. So much. Um, <laughs> Derek Jarman's Jubilee, um, which is like a weird time travel movie that <clears throat> deals with like sexual politics and gender identity. <laughs> um, good movie, though. Another one that I'm pretty sure is on Criterion Channel. Cronenberg's uh, Rabid, which we've talked about before. Yeah, it's episode 52, the top five movies of David Cronenberg. Um, William Friedkin's Sorcerer, which in my head I always attribute to being a Peckinpah movie, even though it's not. Hmm. Um, it's a remake of, um, shit, what's that movie called? The one where they got to take the um, truck of nitroglycerin. Oh, The Wages of Fear. Yeah, Wages of Fear. Right. So it's a remake of that. Right. Um, good movie. I, I have seen this movie, yeah. Uh, Herzog's uh, Stroyzek. Um, I do know, okay. I do know that movie, then, Sorcerer. Another, like, mo- Anything Herzog does is interesting to me. Like, I think that crazy motherfucker just, like, gets really good performances out of people. And He's another one. He's like Cassavetes with me. It's like every single time I see one of his movies, I really like his movies. I never seek it out. You know, it's weird because I don't know that I've ever seen a Herzog movie that I haven't liked. And... Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Even, um... I think they. It ta- I think it takes... I think Cassavetes is the same way. I think they both take a lot of mental power. Yes. When you're watching them. You, because you have to watch them. You can't casually watch a Werner Herzog movie. Right. Like Werner Herzog, you have to be focused and there's a lot you miss if you stop watching. It's one of the reasons why. So I love I love his adaptation of Nosferatu for the way that it looks. But it's a very demanding movie to watch. Mm-hmm. And it's really long. Mm-hmm. And it feels like oppressive. Like every second of that movie feels like, yeah, it's beating you down in some ways. And like it's it's rewarding, I think, and it's it's a beautiful movie, but it's really difficult to watch. I feel that way about um, uh, Casper Hauser, Enigma of Casper Hauser. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely Aguirre and Fitzcarraldo are really yeah. like right demanding movies to watch. Sure. I mean, Aguirre is almost physically exhausting. I think yes. when you get to the end of that movie, I agree. Like, you feel, like, crazy in the same way that Klaus mm-hmm. Kinski is crazy. And I think that's what it is, too, is, like, they both also, like, are really good about putting you in the emotional space they want to put you yeah. in. So you're being manipulated while you watch it, too. Herzog's just more of a nihilist, I think, than Cassavetes. Cassavetes no, yeah. is just more of, like, a, I don't know. Cassavetes is an existentialist. Yeah. And Herzog is, like, more. Yeah. Yeah nihilistic right um argento suspiria is this year um which one of my favorite horror movies of the 70s right we talked about that on ep- Jesus, episode, episode 11 it's yeah. crazy right at some point we got to talk about the remake too i don't know what list that yeah is. i still gotta watch that it's another one of those things where it's like i sit there and it's like it's because it's on amazon and it's like oh yeah i should watch this and it's like never going to leave amazon so it's yes. like oh it'll always be there it's on somewhere else weird now Tubi, it? maybe it's on it might be yeah like, it, it was strange to me, because it's, it's an Amazon production. Right. It's always weird to me when I see yeah. those things pop up elsewhere. That happened with something that was a Netflix original, popped up somewhere else recently, and I was really taken aback by the fact that 
Yeah. Like, yeah, that why is, is this movie here? That is weird. Yeah, because, like, I've been seeing it recently on Google Play. Um, has Netflix stuff, like, to um, to rent. Which, I, I mean, right, you want your for revenue sources. If somebody right. doesn't want they can still watch, like, the stuff and rent it. So that but makes so- sense. But I find it really weird anymore with, like, these competing, all these competing companies now that, like, what is it, like, uh, Frasier? which was, like, historically, like, one of the NBC. biggest hits in NBC's history right. is on CBS All Access. Yeah, that's weird. Weird. I don't know. Like, I understand not everybody subscribes to as many, like, services as I do, mm-hmm. or even, like, whatever, like, half. But I feel like most people have a Netflix account. Like, it feels like something that almost everybody I know, like... Like, I can understand, like, you don't want to put out the... Does it Ryan? Ryan doesn't, does he? He borrows somebody's. Okay, I think. Right. Um. Don't listen to this Netflix. <laughs> um. Like I understand that not everybody can like afford the hundred and twenty dollars a year for Prime, or has an interest because they don't order from Amazon or whatever. You know what I mean? But like, I just feel like Netflix is like Hulu seems kind of niche to me, and like not everybody has Hulu, or whatever. But like. Prime or Netflix, I feel like everybody has. And so it's weird that, like, if you're running movies through Google Play, like, who doesn't have that Netflix account where they can just switch over and watch it for free? Right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it was a it's a good year. I'm really excited to talk about Close Encounters at some some point in the near future. Yeah. So I can fucking shit on it. Right. Like, just mm-hmm. vent my spleen. <laughs> so to speak all right so you wrapped up in the 78 then it looks like yeah 78 okay it's done all right so 1979 the let me see here the nominees were the deer hunter midnight express midnight express there it is coming home heaven can wait an unmarried woman and the deer hunter won best picture that year what do you think of that list so deer hunter is another one of the secret movies that like i pay like lip service to but i fucking hate the deer hunter the deer hunter is one of my least favorite movies of all time and i i can't explain why i just hate it i hate watching it i don't find it to be engaging or interesting or anything like i just cannot stand the deer hunter it feels dirty in the wrong way yeah i mean i i think there's some brilliant stuff from filmmaking standpoint in the deer hunter at times and like editing and you know filmmaking but i'm not a big fan like it's it's kind of like the same thing with taxi driver where it's like oh, okay yeah cool i feel the you same like way that? about midnight express too like i know that a lot of people really <clears throat> really like midnight express and I, I i look i can appreciate like the artistry of midnight express but i don't enjoy that movie like it's not something i think it's a good movie like uh, but i don't think i don't go much beyond like that it's a good movie i i saw it as a teenager I saw it again as an adult. Same with Deer Hunter. Right. And I these are movies that I bought on DVD when they came out on DVD mm-hmm. and watched them and I appreciate them, but I just I don't like them and I don't want to watch them yeah. ever again. Well, you know, I mean the Midnight Express is the only thing that I it's that it's that song like yeah. the theme of the Midnight Express and that's only because of the tag the the wrestling tag team that used that theme song. That's why um, I had such affection for that movie. Coming home I've never seen. Again, I, I like Hal Ashby, but I've never seen it. J- Jane Fonda and John Voight. Doesn't sound like you like Hal Ashby that much. Because I don't watch his movies. Right. Right. I don't know. <laughs> what did we, we talked about Hal Ashby. Did we? Isn't he's... um? I'll look it up. 
Harold and Maude, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He is, yeah. He fell out of favor after Harold and Maude and wasn't able to make many movies. He was really difficult to work with, I think. Mm. Um, hmm. Heaven Can Wait, I do not understand, like, why that movie's on there. Um, I've Well, I mean, it's directed by Warren Beatty and Buck Henry, and it's like, that's, isn't that, like, the hey, kind of, like, this is around the heyday of Warren Beatty yeah. in terms of uh, Hollywood, like, power? I guess. <laughs> Carol King can write a song about him. Or James Mason's in it. Yeah, I like James. I mean, I, I like Julie Christie, and I like Warren Beatty, too, but I don't know. I just never, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't understand why it's nominated for Best Picture. And I've never seen An Unmarried Woman, but I'll tell you, I read the description of it, and I almost fell asleep, so I don't think I'm ever going to watch it. I, I know. I, I read, like, the wiki, like, I was like, really? Is that what this movie's about? Then I read, like, the wiki whole plot thing. It's, like, three paragraphs. Right. And I was like, what the f-? Like, Yeah, it's, it's yeah, oh, I have no I'm divorced idea. and trying to find myself. Ugh. Yeah. Um. So my nominees for the year. Uh-huh. Um, Bergman's Autumn Sonata. Um. Franklin Schaffner's, Schaffner's uh, Boys from Brazil, uh, Nagisa Oshima's Empire of Passion, um, John Carpenter's Halloween, and Philip Kaufman's Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm-hmm. Um, two of those movies that we've talked about previously on the podcast and yeah, recently. We, right. We just talked that, about them in the, um, uh, what was that? The, not the, oh yeah, the 1960, yeah, it was last. Uh, 78 Horror. Right, yeah, yeah. 78 Horror. It was just in January. Yeah. Um, so my winner out of that would be Autumn Sonata. Um, One of the Bergmans I have not seen. Really, it's a small movie. So, um, Liv Allman plays a woman whose mother, um, who is a famous actress, um, has come to live with her, like as an older older woman. Um, and she's kind of always lived actress or poet. I can't remember what she, she, she was famous for some reason, famous artist of some kind. Um, so Liv Allman kind of has this normal husband. Um, her mother comes and it's, it's sort of like the, like living in the shadow of your parents and being your own person and allowing yourself to kind of still be like bullied as an adult, not, not bullied, but like influenced as an adult because of your fear of like, you know, that idea that your parent is always like greater than you and mm-hmm. really great performances. Um, I mean, anything that Bergman films like looks beautiful. Um, somehow those Swedish like houses and stuff are just always amazing. Like every Swedish house looks like, I mean, maybe it's just because I only see them in movies having obviously never been to Sweden. Um, just looks like, like, these beautiful architectural like masterpieces where like every room makes sense and like things have different elevations and I don't know. Um, It's all very um, pragmatic and functional. Yeah. Yeah. Really uncomfortable like stuff in it too, because um, Liv Allman has taken care of her sister who suffers from some kind of debilitating disease, but I can't remember what. Um, And the mother kind of abandoned her. So Liv Allman had to kind of assume her mother's role, but has always been kind of afraid of her mom. And it's just, Really, really, really good performances, really poignant. This is one that's um, up on the Criterion channel. Um, Boys from Brazil is just a really fun spy. I don't know if I call it spy. Like political intrigue thriller, maybe. Mm -hmm. With the idea that the Nazis um, fled 
Germany in the 40s and went to Brazil and basically, like, are cloning themselves, I guess, kind of. Um, Boys from Brazil, I like, yeah. It's up on Prime. I've been, it's another one where I've thought about, like, watching it and then I just never do watch it. Empire of Passion is, like, incredibly beautiful. This is another one of, um, did you really, did you miss that it's like, I I put Gregory Peck, Lawrence Olivier, and then Steve Gutenberg? Well, Steve Gutenberg's important in that movie. Yeah. You know what? I'll tell you the truth. I there's, think there's of, a couple other people that are like uh, more important in that movie, but listen, I made sure to put Steve Gutenberg. I think of Steve Gutenberg in that movie. If you ask me who stars in Boys from Brazil, Is my Steve first Gutenberg? answer would be Steve Gutenberg. Yeah. For some reason, I, maybe it's maybe it's the scene where he goes to the house, but like like hit him in that movie is the most memorable thing to me a lot of the mm. times. Um, Empire Passion, which you know I kind of talked about already with Oshima. Um, really beautiful movie. There's some stuff with like, um, the way he films like the sky, like pre-storm. That's like beautiful. And, and what amazing. what is this movie about? It's another sexual politics okay. like relationship movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember. I think there's some sexual slavery type thing in it, where like this woman is kind of like. I don't remember. It's it's been a really long time since I've seen. It. I I remember more like the visuals of the movie mm-hmm. than like the plot, but it's really good. Okay. Um, and Halloween Invasion of the Body Snatchers we've talked about a lot. Yeah, I can't get, I can't get behind the Invasion of the Body Snatchers thing, man. I just can't. I like that movie. Like we just talked about it. I like it a lot. I can't. I can't get on board for a, for a Best Picture nomination. Well, I ain't putting fucking Deer Hunter or Midnight Express on there, so <laughs> you're gonna have to live with it. I'm the Academy here, buddy. It's like, what else is on here? Well, hold on. So okay, yeah. my, my winner for the year will be Autumn Sonata. Right. Um, I, it's, it's a beautiful movie. Um, really good swan song for, I, I think maybe this is the last Ingrid and Ingmar collaboration. If it I'm is. not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Um, so really good swan song for them. And it's just a beautiful movie in general. Yeah. It did um, my notables for this year are the big sleep with Robert Mitchum um la Caja fall uh which was the um inspiration for the birdcage right um dawn of the dead which we've talked about previously mm-hmm. um greece which is one of my favorite musicals of all time um and not like oscar worthy but i just wanted to like give a shout out to greece right um magic uh directed by richard attenborough um anthony hopkins killer ventriloquist doll movie yeah um underrated right. horror movie and like pr- pr- pretty good in general and then um watership down the animated version of the book um which if you've ever read watership down it's it's pretty pretty heartbreaking at times and it's it, it's a really powerful movie really well done yeah and i don't know that enough animation i mean i know that it has its own category but um just really like worth watching and really really good it's weird. That's a for lack of a better term, like prestige movies. That's not a very good year. No, like for things that you would typically think of being nominated for best picture, it's not a very good year. I mean, people would argue the Deer Hunter, Midnight Express, obviously. Um, I mean, I think Midnight Express deserves to be nominated. I mean, Deer Hunter does too. I mean, but it's like I just uh, I'm so just not a fan of Deer Hunter. Deer Hunter is very just it's just like reeks of like baby boomerism. And I don't even mean it in the way of, like, this okay boomer stuff. Like, I just mean, like, 
we we shit on the boomers long before anybody right. anybody did like i mean it's like it just it reeks of like their kind of self-importance and self self-obsession like deer hunter yeah i just <clears throat> i can watch movies that are depressing or whatever like bleak but I, I i like to feel like i've taken something from a movie and i don't ever feel like i've taken anything from from the deer hunter like i don't think i've ever walked away from watching the deer hunter and the couple times i've seen it and thought i don't know you know what i mean like no, I, I no, I understand exactly that I'm somehow mean, yeah. better for having seen this movie. It's a it's a it's a weird comparison here, but just give me just one second. Like I, Joe Queenan, like the uh, newspaper writer, wrote a book called Basalmic Dreams. You've probably heard me talk about that. Um, it's like this. He's a boomer, and it's like this is basically like anti-boomer book about like how like they went ahead and just kind of like uh, ruin everything. And it's really funny. I mean, it's it's a hilarious book, and he has like a lot of like top ten lists and stuff. And um, you know, he has like a top ten li- list of like the moments that like the boomers is sold out, and um, when uh tapestry became <laughs> one of the things on the list is when tapestry um, went like platinum or whatever. Um, <laughs> like Carol King's tapestry went platinum is like one of like the signs that they sold out. Um, <clears throat> you know that um. You know, Tapestry is secretly one of my favorite albums. I do, of all I time. do know that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. But so uh, you watch your mouth. <laughs> I um, but there's a there's a there's a part in it where he's talking about how they take modern history and have to emphasize it even in their own personal lives. And he was talking about how a friend of his had wrote him a letter, and his wife had had a miscarriage, and. The guy described it as his wife's miscarriage as his own personal Vietnam. And Keenan Queenan was like, you know, shitting on this guy like for and but it uses it as like kind of like a prime example of the way that like boomers like acted. And again, it doesn't it's not it might not make a lot of sense, but it's like that's how I feel about the deer hunter. Do you know about Chris Matthews doing that recently with um yesterday, I guess? With comparing Bernie Sanders winning Nevada to the Nazis taking France, like French sur- France surrendering to the Nazis, no, yeah, it's really really uncomfortable for a number of reasons. Yeah, and I mean surprising. Like so, the the way that I have f- not been paying attention to the major news networks at all because I don't have cable. Right. It but just also makes you just but, but is MSNBC like um, very anti Sanders? Really? Yeah, really. Well, so who do you th- how, who does it seem like they're so? It's like when you watch Fox News, and like, I know Shepard Smith is gone, but like you could watch like the news portion of Fox News and right. actually get news. Sure, yeah. but then everything else is a pundit, yeah. like given his opinion. It's the same thing where portions of MSNBC like are favorable coverage for Sanders, mm-hmm. but then there's these pundits that are very anti-Sanders. Gotcha. I don't know who they want instead. I have no idea. Oh, okay. Um, but no. So he basically said like. I mean, Matthew's a pretty firm Democrat, probably like he, Biden or something like that. He made the comparison to De Gaulle and Churchill talking, and De Gaulle saying like "We're going to surrender," and Churchill being like, "You have the best army in the world. Like, why would you give up?" And he's like, "Well, we've already lost, or something like mm-hmm. that." And but I mean, Sanders is Jewish, so there's that's un- uncomfortable there. And sure, um, sure. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, Todd. Um, uh. Chuck Todd? Chuck Todd. Yeah. Um, 
was comparing like Bernie Sanders supporters to Nazis. Yeah, I've been seeing that recently. Like with their fanaticism. And yeah, their... I've been, I've been, I've been hearing those kind of comparisons recently. Well, the right's been making them too. I mean, I, I, there's been a lot of calls for Chris Matthews to like resign, and I don't know, like it's he, oh, he does this every five years where he like puts his foot in his mouth really bad and he survives it usually. I don't know. It that's it, it's pretty bad. Yeah, he's done shit like this before though. I, yeah, no. I, movie related though. You told me all fair that Trump was uh gave a speech today bitching about parasite winning right. the oscar for best picture but, and then saying that we need to get back to movies like gone with the wind which was on which i kind of expected something like that and then sunset boulevard yeah that's... and i did this like weird like double take where i was like shit like that movie's actually really good like why why does trump like know <laughs> sunset boulevard and it I... made me call into question a bunch of stuff like is this man like does he actually appreciate things that have value? Because I can't imagine he does. But then he does. Like, that's the movie you, you choose. I, it has to be a thing, though, where it's like he he appreciates it for it. Like, it just so happens that it has value and he appreciates it for a different reason. I, I really have to think about that. But it's like, that's a fascinating movie to use as an example for him. Like, that's 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 really interesting. And I think it's in some way revealing. I just need to think about it more. So let, let me let, let me go back to the Oscar list for a second yeah. since we've gotten like 100% off topic. <laughs> um so I put a lot of foreign films in my my nominees and even like several as my winners. Sure. I thought for a while like well they wouldn't nominate a foreign film because best foreign film has its own category. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking and Autumn Sonata is nominated for regular categories. And Ingrid Bergman as Best Actress and Best um, Original Screenplay. Yeah, well, they'll do that, though. Like, they, they just won't nominate for Best Picture a lot But they times. didn't nominate it for Best Foreign Language Film. Oh, that's weird. Best Foreign Language Film. I've not seen any of these <laughs> movies. Get Out Your Handkerchiefs, The Glass Cell, Hungarians, Viva Italia. Oh, maybe I've seen that. And White Bim Black Ear which is a USSR movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah I've seen that's, Viva Italia. That's really weird. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Hmm. So, like, here's this director that, like, one of the greatest directors of all time. Mm-hmm. And even at this point, like, considered, like, a master director. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know he's getting old. Like, you can't nominate his movie for something. Like, it's, <laughs> like, these five maybe i'm showing my ignorance these five movies that i have never heard of which i like usually when i see stuff that's like considered like classics like when you look at that list Mm -hmm. like i've seen like at least like two or three of them typically but like i haven't seen any of that shit except for that viva italian movie and i don't even know why i've seen that yeah so i don't know that's just really annoying to me that's best movie of the year though autumn sonata so just kind of recap here so 1975 so these are the movies you would definitely like recommend then you have chinatown for 75 barry linden for 76 uh, in the realm of the senses in the realm of the senses for 77 that obscure object of desire yeah. for 78 and autumn sonata. autumn sonata for 79 how many of those are four one two uh three except for chinatown and barry yeah. linden yeah, and Barry Lyndon. And Barry Lyndon, right? He's right. He's so right. 
So, yeah. Hmm. I would really recommend, like, if you have the chance to watch Oshima stuff when, when you see it. Like, if you have the chance to watch it. Because he's a pretty brilliant director that I think has kind of been forgotten a little bit. Um, and really because, like, a lot of his stuff was, like, super... Is it's it's risque like it's not something that you can watch in mixed company, but they're really good and very adult handling of like adult material. Yeah, I really enjoyed Boy. I know um, when we watched it for the nineteen sixty nine list, you would like Merry Christmas, Mister Lawrence, a lot. Hmm. I think so. Definitely, he's he's definitely a really good filmmaker. I can tell just from that movie. So a- Empire of Passion is a beautiful movie. Like yeah. I I I kind of I might watch it again tomorrow because it's been. I don't know, since it came out on DVD, so probably eight years since I've seen it. Yeah. It was a Criterion release when I was buying, like, every Criterion release, like, ever. Hmm. Okay, so, yeah, um, I think I think that when we restarted talking about this again, it's, like, something where it's, like, I was looking up Best Supporting Actor in some year. We and- were here drinking one night, and we, you, we were outside because it was warm or whatever. Uh-huh. And you pulled it up on your phone and you were like, who who, who should win this year? Because we, we talked about how somebody won it and it was a really bad win. Yeah, like it I, was can't, a, I, I can't remember yeah. who it was. Um, and we recast that year and they were like, oh, we should we should do that sometime and go back and like. Yeah, and I think we've talked about it on the podcast before because I think we did it with um some here in 89, I think there was a performance that won like a best supporting actor or something like that. And we started talking about Dan Aykroyd and got nominated that year for driving Miss Daisy. And we did that for that. But yeah, I I think, um, yeah, I enjoy doing this. Um, another movie I hate that I don't talk about. Best picture. Best picture is a big thing. Like it's a big category to some degree. Yeah. Um, I wonder if there's not the possibility of doing some shorter content with these, because I don't think it would take very, there'd be less conversation probably about things like best supporting actor or actress for it gives you more flexibility too because you could argue a movie that might not have the caliber you know like you argued against um body snatchers in terms mm-hmm. of like an oscar worthy right. movie but i think you could probably talk about um uh what's his name um the weirdo that's in body snatchers uh down so no jeff goldblum Watch your mouth. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Like, as being, like, possibly a best supporting actor for no. his role in that no. movie. No. No. Sure. No. Not at all. Oh, I like him a lot in that movie. Not at all. What about Leonard Nimoy? So that year, Leonard Nimoy, more, maybe more so, but I wouldn't I wouldn't nominate him. Let, let, me, let me look at this real quick. What are we looking at? We're looking at 70, 79 Oscars? Yeah. Right? Okay. So... Walking for best supporting, walking for Deer Hunter. Ugh. Yeah, no, that's right. What about um, Steve Gutenberg? For Steve, Steve for Gutenberg for <laughs> <laughs> I love Steve Gutenberg. Donald um, Pleasance for Halloween. No, no. Yeah, it's not. It's a it's a good performance for the film. He's nothing. He's nothing special. Motherfucker, this not, is my Academy Awards list. Make nothing special. <laughs> Um. <coughs> yeah, I don't know. I had to go through that year like a little bit more. There might be actually two nominations in Deer Hunter for acting. That's there the are, thing is the acting. There, there really are really good, good performances. Oh, absolutely, yeah, movie. like a hundred percent. 
Maybe James Mason for Heaven Can Wait. I have no idea. I'm just making shit up. I, I think James Mason's funny. <clears throat> so, yeah. So, I really enjoyed doing it. And like you yeah. said, like it would be nice to do like maybe... Like, I think we would one. actually fight a lot more. Um, probably if... Um, if we did like stuff from like the eighties and nineties and then like did like best supporting actor and actress or best actor and actress. What we should do is I should make a list and you should make a list <laughs> for those right, things. And see how different they are. Right. We'll just do like I don't know, like eighty seven best best supporting actress and then we'll see like what each of us comes up with and then right. can argue yeah. about why why the fuck is Goldie Hawn on this list. <laughs> are you making an overboard reference? I'm not making anything. Okay. I'm just saying. Right. Overboard's not 87, is it? Yeah, I think so. Is it? I'm pretty sure. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would not put... Look, I can differentiate. Goldie Hawn would not be on a Best Supporting Actress thing for Overboard. It's not happening. Nobody on Overboard would be on any kind of list. Overboard wouldn't be on any kind of, like, best list. Did you like it? I I, I love it. I, I love that movie mm. growing up. Like, it's a fun movie. And you know what? A lot of other people like it, too, because it comes up, like, in conversation where... Because I bring up how much I despise right, it yes, all the time. it comes up in conversation, like, uh, like especially recently it's come up more, because it's the, it's the one I go to. It's like, yeah, Frank, like, like hates Overboard. And they're like, what? Who doesn't like Overboard? <laughs> no, you tell me who said what when you said that. <laughs> give me, give me... Uh, nobody, nobody said what. Give but me two I, people. But it's like, <laughs> nobody actually said what. That were like, oh, my God, he hates that. No, I used to get that shit for the Lord of the Rings movies. Like I got yelled at by a customer once at work because they were like, he doesn't like these movies. One of my box office people were like, you don't like those movies. How do you even work in a movie theater? It's real. Yeah. Do you think, uh, do you think the clerks too, to some degree for whatever you think of that movie, it was a little bit of like a watershed type thing when it came to the Lord of the Rings movies by Kevin Smith, like making fun of them. In not shitting movie? on them, but like yeah, mocking their length. Yeah, uh-huh. and it's fabricated length just by showing, like, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he's right. And allowed people. Oh, yeah, absolutely, he's right. We many many of us were saying that when they came out. But um, do you think it like it allowed more people to say that finally? Yeah. The problem with those movies is that anything that becomes like, I don't know, part of like the cultural, like the collective unconscious, is being like considered great. Like, you can't talk about them in a bad way. Like, yeah. you become, like, persona non grata if you don't like them. Yeah. What I've come to say about the Lord of the Rings movies is, yeah, you know, I enjoyed them. They're good. That's my that's my answer. But you actually did like them better recently, didn't you? Watching, what, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Watching the extended director's cut versions Ugh. with Frankie. Yeah. When we were, like, I was on vacation and he was off in the summer. We had nothing to do. Uh-huh. And we just sat there and, like, ordered food and, like, talked and watched them. I found things about them to be more appealing than I did at first. Yeah. Like, I, I I think I really appreciate Peter Jackson's dedication to making that world feel like a real thing. Like, the minutia of everything about right. it. It's not just, like, these... It's not just the big epic, like, shots of everything or the big battles. It's, like, the smallness of, like, some scenes where just the the costume design and the set design and the way that he, like, makes it feel like a real place that's similar to what I imagined mm. when I read the books. Mm. I appreciate that. Yeah, I can see the, that. The thing I hate about those movies is just that I feel like he doesn't understand why certain elements of the movies are important like why certain plot points matter 
or why certain yeah, characterization matters. Shit. Like the way that the way he changes um the King of Rohan and Wormtongue. Mm-hmm. Like that scene. Like he makes it completely different subtly than what it is in the books and it's like he fucks up a lot no dude like you don't understand and then the fact that he then exploded the hobbit into a three film series just because stupid yeah look i i knew god i watched i knew this thing was a failure in the first movie that he didn't really get a lot of stuff about those books the most cinematic damn thing in fellowship in the book it says everything you need to know about samwise is in the book when he realizes that bilbo's trying to leave him and he runs after him. Frodo. He, Frodo. You're right. Yeah, sorry. Frodo's like going to like leave him behind and go off on his own. And Sam starts running after him. And Sam runs. And there's like a paragraph description of him running and falling down. And like how much like his like knees and stuff like hurt from like falling down. And he like struggles to pull himself back up and keep running. And it's complete like it. it's written for you. Right. Like, the, 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 the cinematic nature of that. And not there and it's like it just shows me that like he didn't understand a lot of those little things at all about those characters and give them like the character moments that they deserved and needed um some stuff with aragorn's and also um boromir yeah like kind of miss whatever i'm actually getting really angry like misinterpreting like boromir as a character yeah just to have it be like a set piece basically i don't yeah. know i don't know how i ended up marrying someone that loves those movies but <clears throat> i didn't know she loved those yeah, movies she loves mm. them yeah i know i've had i had to watch them like one time at least like with her and but anyway i now like my anger has subsided about like that Actually, kind of more stuff I can, see i it's, i didn't know it's it's subsided because of time right as soon as we start talking about it my anger came right back again also like, when the last time i watched them so this is maybe three or four years ago no maybe two years ago we did this yeah. like we sat there and just watched them all um it had been 20 years at that point since i read the books yeah. so a lot of like my distinct memory of things was fresh when the movies came out as like been dulled just with the passage of time so Hmm. i don't necessarily like remember that stuff i've also kind of changed i used to be super militant about an adaptation of a book has to match the book right and i think the fight club kind of cured me of that in Hmm. some ways where it's different enough but still recognizable yeah but like a good adaptation yeah, I've always just taken it all as like being like just depending on the actual adaptation. Doctor Sleep is actually the most recent best example of this, where a film deviates pretty far from some aspects of the book, but still is its own like perfect thing within itself. Right. I'll watch it at some point. Go watch Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep's a good movie. Yeah, I'll check it out at some point. Watch the three hour. I'll never call it a sequel to The Shining. It is a sequel. It's a direct sequel to The Shining. Never call it that. You're a bitch. It's a good movie. It's a good sequel to The China. <laughs> okay. So that is our episode for tonight. Um, uh, just to let you know, again, March, we're actually going to be taking next week off. And then for the last three weeks of March, we will be back with top five buddy cop movies, top five dystopian movies, and the top five foreign pictures of 1995. Um remember you can follow us on instagram facebook uh as always you can reach out to us through there you can reach out to us through email if you have any suggestions of your own for lists at 
two guys five movies at gmail.com that's the number two and five two guys five movies at gmail.com other than that thank you for listening thank you for the yep. likes and shares um and reviews and have a great week have a good night